How's it going? Welcome to Tell You What, the podcast, where we chat with young songwriters about the craft of songwriting, live performance, and whatever topics the cat happens to drag in. Our guest on this episode is Isaac Opatz. Isaac hails from Montana, was born and has spent a good portion of his life there, including, as we discuss, many ex- extended summers living and working in the backcountry of Glacier National Park. His lifestyle has certainly influenced his songwriting. Isaac has an album out on Mama Bird Records. It is called Mariachi Static. Let me tell you something about my experience with this record. If you're anything like me, and by that I mean fairly old, a good portion of your musical history predates the current musical age. So back in the olden days, a new album purchase happened maybe once a month or once every couple of weeks. We would then proceed to listen to that record, unless for some reason it turned out to be a complete dud, over and over again, every day, side one, side two, probably repeat. When CDs came along, same thing, including keeping a copy, or the CD itself, or a copy of it in the player in the car for more repetition. In this way, we really got to know the album, got inside it a bit, learned the lyrics, the tricky wordplay, the subtleties, got a sense of the album as a complete work. And many times our appreciation for the music grew and grew with these repeated listenings. Contrast that with my current listening style in a world with an embarrassment of musical riches. New records coming out every week that I can access immediately. I end up listening to new stuff all the time. Some of these songs or albums get repeat listenings. Maybe I add some songs to a current playlist or I save the album for additional spins, with some getting a lot more attention than others. I'm not going to say get off my lawn, things were better before. It is wonderful and amazing to be able to take in all this great music. But as it turns out, I did end up listening to Isaac's album repeatedly. I went on a couple of long road trips, which allowed for that. And then I purposely gave it some more extra time. And my appreciation for this record grew with each listen. And I did find myself wistful for the old habit of spending more thoughtful time with individual artists and their music. And I wondered if I'm missing out on experiencing the depths of certain artists' work and the messages they are trying to put forth with their efforts. Okay, you can get back on my lawn now. Back to Isaac. He talks in this episode about trying to make every line he writes be close to what is true, in the sense of furthering the story or the message of the song, with no BS and no filler. This is the hallmark of good songwriting. You see it in the greats like Paul Simon or Guy Clark. And the Mariachi Static album reflects his efforts amazingly well. Here is a talented young songwriter with the exact proper mindset, producing rich, thoughtful, and highly entertaining songs with very little filler anywhere. I hope some of you will, after hearing Isaac discuss his work, give the album some committed time, and you may be rewarded as I have been. Okay, let's get to it. Here's our chat with Isaac Opatz. Play with me, flatter me, fake it all night long. You can swear that we shared something special. Okay, Isaac, welcome to Tell You What, the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Up in the uh, 210th floor of the, <laughs> of the Tell You What epiplex. Uh-huh. I hope the elevator ride wasn't too boring for you, but the views are worth it from up here, don't you think? Absolutely. Um, well, uh, thanks for coming out here to the Midwest. 
uh, let's talk a little bit about your um, background, your upbringing. For those of us who live out here in the flatlands, you have an interesting sounding uh, upbringing. Um, can you talk a little bit about where you're from and maybe the kind of music you may have been exposed to when you were growing up? Yeah. Um, I'm from northwestern Montana, um, a small town, although my dad's from Minnesota. So I grew up in the mountains. Uh, it's a small, like, pretty much as long as I've been there, it's been a resort town at least part of the year. Okay. There's a ski hill. It's pretty close to Glacier National Park. There's a lake. Um, but, and my parents met at the National Park um, one summer in the early 80s. and As tourists? As um, seasonal employees. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's always been a big, they've always been into the outdoors. My dad's a big hiker, and um, that's always been a big part of growing up there. Mm -hmm. And I stayed in Montana pretty much until I went to college there in, in Missoula. And so I was pretty, until about, I guess I was 25, 26, I moved to Nashville. That was kind of my first um, stint out of the state. Okay. So pretty Montana through and through uh, until the last couple of years. So were you, was there music in your house growing up or in the... On the, on the, the stereo, life? yeah. yeah. Um, but um, my dad played harmonica, mm -hmm. I think, um, kind of more before I knew him. Um, and my, they both, my parents were, music was important to them and important that it was a part of um, my life. We, me and my sister both got signed up for piano lessons okay. before, I must have shown some interest, but mm -hmm. I think it was probably more my parents thought it was important. And then when I decided I didn't want to do it, they were fine with letting me quit. I was not the So it, the piano didn't take? No, it didn't. I was not the best practice. I was not as disciplined as I could have been. I was younger. Mm -hmm. My sister did a better job with it. Um, I don't remember this, but my parents remembered sitting at piano recitals while I obviously did not know how to play what I was had been assigned and just it sounded kind of gut-wrenching for them. So <laughs> when I decided I wanted to be done with it, I think they were ready to be done with it as well. Um, they had enough of the pain. Yeah. Yes. But still, I'm really grateful that it was offered and I got that kind of like foundational exposure to uh, music. But yeah, neither of them were especially uh, musical, but my dad's mom really was. And so they've noticed before that... Um, they think my interest has kind of come from skip to generation and come right. from her. So since it was a small town, was there an opportunity to see live music very often? Um, not a ton. A little more than most small towns because it did have some like um, some tourists from elsewhere filtering through. Right. Um, there's some bars downtown that had live music, um, but not a ton. Mm -hmm. um, I was exposed to it mostly through listening to music. Right. Um, so what got you started playing music? How and when did that happen? Um, that happened in high school. At the beginning, I had a group of friends who... I went from piano, quit that, played trombone for a little bit in oh. the school band, quit that, and then finally asked for guitar when I was a sophomore in um, high school. And happened to have a couple of friends that were also picking up the guitar um, at the same time. And so we started to get together after school. And, you know, you can only play 
read from like the Mel Bay book and learn a couple songs on your own for so long and yep. stay interested. So it, there were these couple like um, benchmarks that kept me um, hooked. And the first was finding these friends that were learning as well and playing with people and right. like locking into a rhythm together um, and then starting to harmonize, um, I guess on the guitar, I wasn't singing yet, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, kind of playing around with like harmonizing solos or melodies. What kind of stuff were you guys playing? We were playing a lot of, um, we started with bluegrass, right. just because that was a simple um, way to have somebody playing rhythm, another yeah person taking over a simple melody it's a great foundation though yeah and i still it's still there that kind of like one five boom chick like bass note thing is still kind of how a lot of my songs start but Mm -hmm. uh then we went to i remember playing like all on the watchtower for an hour and a half straight (laughs) just like at some point you started singing yeah that was not till college okay um i had a cousin who I lived with um, my sophomore and junior years of college, and they had been singing for much longer and writing songs and encouraged me, were the ones that kind of like break me out of my real reticence and shyness mm-hmm. around singing. So, um, yeah, if not for that, I don't, I don't know if I would have done it. It wasn't yeah. something I thought I could do. How did it feel when you started singing? Um, good. Actually, I even more than the cousin, I. I think I credit uh, getting my driver's license to feeling like I could sing. Singing in the car. Singing in the car. It was like my first like private, it was private <laughs> enough um, that I could like let loose. Yes. And when I, even now when I sing to myself, I can't really hit the notes. Like I have to go full bore. Right. Um, and so, yeah, when you try, when you're like, before you've really sung and you don't have like a choir or a church background mm-hmm. to know that you can. Or to have that kind of like safe space, it was really hard for me to feel confident enough to even get to the place where I was actually singing. Where you let loose. Kind yeah. Of like, yeah, yeah. And so having a car, I had like a, a compilation of Beatles um, songs. I remember that was when I could actually hear myself singing along, and then hearing myself actually locking in, like hitting notes. What about the shower? I didn't do it. I think even then I was so shy, like, I thought I, I might be heard. We have a daughter who is a singer, and she was known throughout the neighborhood for yeah. singing in the shower. Huh. So they, she was heard by she the people. She was heard by yeah. people, the children, and playing in the backyard. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the car, that's good. That's a good tip, is yeah. where you can really let it go. So what about writing your own music? When did that? That was kind of the same time in college. Yeah, my cousin had written songs for, you know, since they were in high school Mm -hmm. and encouraged me to... We formed a little band with another roommate and a neighbor. Um, It was like a chamber folk band called Friedrich's Teeth. Friedrich's Teeth. Yeah, it was a Sound of Music reference. Right. And uh, (laughs) we had a cello and a flute and a clarinet and then um, two guitars. Wow. so were the first songs you wrote in the chamber music mm-hmm. format? Well, no, they were just they were just my own kind of pop, country, whatever. With the, that instrumentation. Yeah, yeah. I've kind of always written, I think, the same types of songs, but mm-hmm. they've been fleshed out by different um, bands. Now, had you had other creative outlets before you started writing songs? Were you, you write poetry yeah. or anything like that? Or? Yeah. Since high school, I journaled and wrote poetry mm-hmm. quite a lot. 
Um, so did it seem a natural transition to start writing songs? Yeah. Songs, putting them, having a meter and um, rhythm to think about was just a little bit more structure, which I think I liked at the time. Something to a form to pour your thoughts into. So, so when you started writing songs, did you feel like you had stopped writing poetry and now you're writing songs, or was there kind of a... Yeah, for the most both? part. I'd yeah. say it replaced it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, all right, let's talk about your lifestyle now. Also unusual by most standards. I think um, until recently, you spent part of each year in the National Park, like your parents did. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that correct? Yeah. And then the rest of the year... Well, I was started doing that when I was still in college, so the first couple of years, um, I'd work in Glacier. So you worked in the park as a... Um, on a trail crew. Okay. So doing trail maintenance in the backcountry for the most part. Um, and you can only do that in Glacier when the snow's gone, which you can start in the low country in May and work till usually October. So five months out of the year you were in the park. Mm-hmm. Yep, and then, and pretty much unplugged from, you know, no cell service or right. internet. Um, so pretty, not isolated by any means. You've got a lot of peers and um, plenty of contact with people, but... Um, but not, not the rest of the world. No, yeah. It's really perfect because you're social, but you're not distracted. Mm-hmm. And so how many years did that go on for? This? Uh, nine summers I did it. My first year I worked for the campground crew, which was just kind of a foot in the door. And then I did nine summers of trail crew after that. And then the rest of the year? And then the rest of the year, so it was college for until oh, that finished okay. up. And then traveled for a few winters. Went down to Mexico. Um, went to Europe. And then I moved to Nashville um, in 2014. Specifically to pursue music. Yeah, also just for a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a it wasn't a full throated commitment, but it was a curiosity mm-hmm. um, to be around people who were really going for it. Right. And um, did you start like recording things at that point? I did a little bit. Um, I did one EP in Nashville that I just recorded at uh, the house where I was living, but mm-hmm. got some really great musicians to play on it. Um, I lived with. My friend Johnny Fritz, and he was full on into it at that point, touring a lot, and um, learned a lot from him about just what the life was, right. the good and the bad. Um, and so I played a little bit in Nashville, but um, I was still building my confidence and um, writing. And So in what ways do you think your time in the park, those five months a year, has influenced your songwriting? I see it in um, the metaphors, the figurative parts of my songs, at least the ones that I wrote during that time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of reference to nature and and kind of contemplative sort of songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't... It was a lot of work, and it wasn't a lot of time to... You know, I'd go to bed at like eight or nine every night because tired. I was tired. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't. I started to bring a guitar back uh, with me the last couple of years, but it wasn't really a space for writing for mm-hmm. me. Which I spent a lot of time thinking about songs, and I had plenty of um, 
I would think of these melodies while I was digging drains that I just, who knows if they were good, but I thought they were great at the right. time. And I'd try to hold them in my head, but I didn't, without a guitar to like, um, just get the muscle memory of the, the melody or without a, you know, an iPod or something. I just didn't have it at the time to right. do an, a memo, a voice memo. I lost a lot of those and that was really frustrating uh but hopefully they're they sunk in somehow and they came out the lost songs of glacier national park yeah so you net all those summers you never did have a way to record that you didn't like though well bring one next year or something like that i yeah there was some um i would bring a guitar Mm -hmm. i said like yeah the last couple years and i would go back um i wouldn't be back in the woods the entire time you'd go out for 10 days and then have four days off um, where I had my stuff. We had a dorm room and stuff. So I would still do some writing and um, played some shows um, out there. I'd get my band up to these really cool, funny um, bars that were on the east side of the park on the reservation. Um, you get some of the seasonal crowd, some of the locals, and it was really memorable uh-huh. shows up there. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't it was so kind it wasn't of a gestation like this period. romantic thing like I go into the mountains for five months a year and write all this music and nah. then come down with my next album kind of a no, situation. It wasn't. But it was all but it was a five months of um kind of removing myself from yeah. that and building up I don't know, building up I guess ideas or just excitement about in the winter when I did have I could get back to it. Mm-hmm. Um I would write a lot. So how do you keep track of your ideas in the real world? Now I I write everything down that I can mm-hmm. um, and then I use some kind of a device for recording voice memos of usually melodies um, chord changes that I otherwise wouldn't recall do your songs mostly then come lyrics first or is it mm-hmm. yes yeah mostly although sometimes they're both kind of floating around at the same time and I'll just I'll spend some time attaching them you know helping <laughs> them find each other. The other, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it seems to be, for me, I have to have lyrics that I care about enough to turn them into a song. Mm-hmm. I, if I just have a chord progression and a melody, that's not enough for me to want to stick with it. Right. And force words into it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. And especially coming from like, yeah, poetry, creative writing background. That's when I want to express myself. That's what I need to get out first. Right. Um, so since you live mostly outdoors for long stretches or did, um, mm-hmm. and then in your off season, it seems like you were moving around to different places. Do you think this nomadic kind of lifestyle has influenced your writing or, or the, some of the songs that you've come up with? Yeah, it has because it's been a, it's definitely cause for a lot of interrupted relationships uh-huh. and I write a lot of songs about people that got away or mistakes I made or just you know being yeah heartbroken from and a lot of it it comes back to I left or I was impatient or restless or mm-hmm. whatever and then um, some songs like not yet on the last record mm-hmm. is kind of about um, just that that life that I was living for a long time as far as wanting to stay free, kind of footloose, and then realizing, which works for a while, 
And then after a while, you realize that um, it's its own kind of shackle, and you keep just having the same experience over and over again instead of planting somewhere uh-huh. and getting past that and having deeper experiences rather than wider. Yeah, that, that, that song is actually on my list of songs I wanted to discuss. Um, it, it, and it does kind of harken back to your lifestyle. It, and it, it kind of talks about the advice that younger people are given, right? That's the way, yeah. that, that lyrically, that it is set up. Yeah. And kind of the different ways you can look at that advice. Yeah. You know, when you're 20 or 19 or 21 or just out of college, you're told a lot to, you have to get out and see things and travel and... Um, and I think you do, um, but I feel like I maybe took that a little too hard because I knew that my default was to just maybe settle down someplace that felt safe mm-hmm. and easy. And um, like where I went to college in Missoula, that's always felt really um, comfortable to me and like it's kind of got everything I I need. But I found it early and I always kind of envied people who maybe were from places that they didn't love and then they... I'd meet a lot of people like from um, East Coast or the Midwest who who came to came west and ended up found Glacier and it like just blew their mind and they had this whole other part of their life opened up that they didn't even know existed right. or maybe they suspected existed and they found it and I was always kind of felt like I needed to have that experience even though I was already in love with the West and yes. Glacier and uh, Montana. Um, and so I kind of prodded myself to like get out of my comfort zone and go try living in a city, try living in um, the South. And that was kind of why I made these sort of capricious moves to Nashville or L.A. Well, what you described earlier is the kind of the irony. There's kind of an irony here because most people would say, oh, you have this interesting lifestyle. You're always doing something different. But you described something where you're repeating a cycle. Yeah. Even though from an outsider doesn't appear that way yeah but if you go to a new place you have to orient yourself every time and so you end up having a lot of the same conversations and (laughs) having the same like format of experience even if the experiences are different you you, maybe you're going to a different coffee shop but it's still right same you know kind of the same thing um but you're also getting to meet different people um i don't know it's just they're two different things there's I see some friends who have um, stuck it out in Missoula, and I feel like their experience over the last five years has been a deepening of mm-hmm. knowing one place. And of course, they're traveling too; it's not that different. But um, or they're having relationships with one person, and it's going deeper. It's like um, they're getting to know each other better. Um, whereas I'm maybe meeting more people, not necessarily romantically, but, um, but they're shallower, but, yes. but wider. I don't know. And so I think there's both of them I'm really interested in exploring, but, um, as I get older, that song, not yet, is just about feeling like I'm getting a little tired of the spreading myself. Um, it also contains one of my favorite lyrics of yours on the album where you, you sing, you're talking about the advice older people give you and you say it is, it is given as if youth was a last gasp inside a plastic bag. Yeah. Yeah. As <laughs> if like, like well, people who have, like we were kind of talking about yesterday too, um, people who go right from college to a professional career, mm-hmm. they build up 
the freedom that maybe they pass by um, in between have, going to college and having kids as something that, of course, they all wish they had more of. Whereas I had almost too much of that, right. and I find myself daydreaming about like having a steady job and some more structure. Right. It's just a grass is greener kind of thing. song of yours that struck me because it seems to have a very specific sense of place um duck lake road i think it is a bonus track on the yeah. album yeah right so this song obviously has a real sense of place a spot that either seems to have meant something to you or represents uh a place that means something to you can you talk about that song a little bit yeah yeah it is a very specific place um it's on the east side of glacier park on the Blackfeet Indian Reservation, on the plains, but kind of these low, um, not quite foothills, but sort of buttes. Um, you can get up on one and look west and see the whole Rocky Mountain front. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a really special, quiet, um, powerful place. And that song I wrote while I was in Nashville, okay. and I, I just couldn't find a, a similar place um, that felt as it just you feel free out there. It's it's just when there's Eastern Montana, there you don't see a ton of people if right. you don't want to, and it, it feels like you can kind of get away with anything, and you just stop worrying about what you're doing. Nashville was the biggest city I'd lived into um, lived in up until that point. And you just get kind of stressed out about being surrounded all the time. Um, and so that was that was just a song of longing for Montana and that feeling. And um, and there's a line in the chorus about, is it wrong? I think I know what I already want. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and which is kind of that same sentiment of like, I almost feel guilty that I... Gave this up? Or yeah, that or that I, I, I don't feel like I want to explore as much as I've, I'm being pressured to because I'm very happy. And but it to, goes back to what did, you were in the place that other people discovered as their special place, maybe. Yeah. If you were happened to be born in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the truth is I didn't, I don't think I did have that same depth of appreciation for it until I moved to Nashville right. and suddenly missed it um, terribly. One time in the evening For the benefit of a girlfriend I cute and conjured Cody with my right hand Another time we woke up Surrounded 
the side views and licking the hood, staring at a naked cell. sounding like that interviewer guy with the boring questions yeah. i will now ask you about the title of the album sure mariachi static um i do that because i'm a i've always been a big fan of, of warren's Evans. i believe is that that's where you got that phrase from. yeah yeah that was one reason um from carmelita mm-hmm. um we recorded it me and my friend producer engineer uh, malachi de lorenzo at his house in Echo Park, and there's the line from um, Carmelita about I hear mariachi static on my radio, and the right. tubes they glow in the dark, and I'm there with her in Sonata, and I'm here in Echo Park. So there's that connection, yep. the direct Echo Park oh, yeah, connection. Yeah, it actually references Echo Park, yeah. right? Um, and then also in that, it's also about being in two places at once, and his 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 is sort of drug fueled, I think. Right. Um, mine was just. Um, an intense nostalgia. A mm-hmm. lot of my songs are about um, old relationships, people mm-hmm. I've um, fallen out of touch with or have regrets about. So it was that kind of split-mindedness. And then also Mariachi Static because the first time we recorded at Malachi's house, there's this ghost radio station, this Mexican radio station that comes through people's guitar amplifiers or distortion pedals. So this is a real thing that happens to yeah. various people. Yeah, musicians across Echo Park will all tell you that they've picked this this signal up and um, when we first the first song we recorded was um, Got to Me Sense, the first song on the record, and you can hear we left in a little bit of the radio station. There's a couple it sounds like silence, but if you turn it up uh, there's a little bit of um, that Mexican radio station coming through the distortion pedal because we just couldn't get rid of it. So and you left it in there. Yeah, and we really liked it. And it just kind of speaks to the um, sort of rough around the edges way that we recorded the whole record. Do you think that's what Zivon was referencing? I don't know. It would be crazy if it was the same one. Yeah, um, it's a long time ago. Yeah, but I always assumed he was actually listening to the radio. Right. Getting a bad signal, but who knows? So I, I do see comparisons between your style and Warren Zevon's, um, like well-crafted wordplay, self-deprecating, witty lyrics, and maybe getting the listener to smile at what is basically a sad or dark story. Yeah. Um, do you see him as an influence, or maybe there are other songwriters that you feel have influenced you? There definitely are, but he's certainly, for those reasons you mentioned, the self-deprecation, the little bit of sly humor but not um but still serious mm-hmm. um songs have always drawn me to him yeah i think a little bit of like being able to hear uh humility in a songwriter has always been 
big to me, and it's something I've always maybe spent too much time worrying about that uh-huh. I wasn't. Uh, I don't know. I guess taking using the 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 platform of having people listen to music to to blow myself up. <laughs> so yeah, Zevon's. I've always loved um, Excitable Boy. That whole record yeah. was one I listened to a lot in high school and. As far as other songwriters, um, along the same veins, like I love Roger Miller and John Hartford, mm-hmm. who have don't seem to take themselves too seriously, right. um, but have a lot to say. Um, and then my friend Johnny Fritz is kind of one of those as right. well. Um, Guy Clark, I love. That's a pretty good list. Yeah. Um, speaking of self-deprecating. Let's talk about the song Arms Like the Way. This is a witty and I think unfortunately relatable song to a lot of people. Yeah. You sing here about being saved from bad decisions by not having self-service or not having gas in your car. Um, did this idea perhaps have root in your time in the mountains and being not connected? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, it was it just kind of got the idea in my head from one time in particular when I was I was dropping off a car for a friend who was doing a raft trip in the in Idaho. A lot of times we'd pick up the phone when we're feeling the most pathetic and when we shouldn't reach out to people because yes. uh, it's a crutch for a lot of us. And, um, and sometimes being out of service is the little bit of like that, just enough hesitation to realize that you're not doing it for the right reasons. Yep. Um, and then I just extrapolated that to other situations. But yeah, definitely um, being in Glacier all summer, I would have a lot of impulses and thoughts that I just wasn't able to act on. And after a day or an hour or five minutes had passed, I realized that I probably wasn't going to act on it when I did get into service. Yes. It's a it's a cautionary tale for this age, for sure. Yeah. Being too connected, right? Yeah. Um, I, I still find myself getting, you know, somebody will say, or usually they'll text you something or email you something, and it gets you kind of flustered and fired up. And because you can fire off a retort in half a second, a lot of times we do, and it's not what we really want to say. Yep. Well, thank God the internet's down. I get home from the bar. I was going to send you an email. I'm making a brand new start. I guess I drag it to the trash instead. But it can't do any harm. Well, thank God the internet's down. I get home from the bar Cause there used to be love between us And now it's just things we can't say And they are good reasons Though I sometimes forget that You're not an arm's length away All right, let's talk about another song, uh, Everything But One Thing. And I want to talk about your writing style a little bit. You, you, most of your writing seems to be... Um, conversational in style. I mean, I don't know if I'm describing this correctly, but you seem seem to sing in, like, complete, coherent sentences. Yeah. Um, the metaphors are very well laid out rather than just throwing out bits of phrases mysteriously. Um, we actually talked a little bit last night about Kurt Vile, and he seems to write in the same... 
fashion to me, like yeah. sentences. Um, is this a conscious stylistic decision for you, or is this just the way it comes out? Just the way it comes out. Yeah, I've I like listening to um, artists that are more like Jeff Tweedy, yep. and um, that I don't doubt that it's the full-on truth of what he wants to say or how he's expressing himself, but it's definitely not hard to follow um, as a narrative or even as just like concrete images or, and I, I get a lot from that, but when it's time for me to write, it's, yeah, I like to make sure things are said clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do love country music because it's, it's really, it's figurative, but it's also, but it's, plot lines and it's you can hear uh the lyrics you just yes. really lyric or vocals forward and um and like, yeah you seem to be of the school that every i have this in my notes every song should tell a story the old country motto three chords and the truth right yeah you're a believer in that i am and yeah i think i like to like not make it too hard for the listener to know what's going on mm-hmm. um yeah, I'm, I just I guess my songs come off as pretty confessional. Yes, because I do speak really directly. And at the end of this particular song, everything but one thing, you sing about leaving your favorite tapes behind with the girl you were leaving, facing a long drive, and maybe you should maybe it's time to just write the song. Yeah, it is like you're narrating your life in real time. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that song, even more, like I did. I didn't write it like in that moment, mm-hmm. um, but there was that moment. That there was that moment, and until I wrote that song, I didn't really understand what had um, happened in that relationship. Or I hadn't, I hadn't really mentally packaged it, hmm. um, and so I needed to write the song to understand what the song was and what that part of my life was. Songwriting is therapy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just um, translation of your feelings. We made love while dinner cooled on the stove. Somehow, I still managed to burn my tongue. When the dishes were dry and put away, I turned on the radio, mouth to a flame. She pulled petals off a flower in the back of her mind. talk about working with him I, I don't think I can do justice to describing who Johnny is or his work um, yeah. interested listeners should definitely look into him and his music and other things that he does but maybe you can talk about him and, and how he's influenced you a little bit yeah and interested listeners might also know more about him than me because he's <laughs> done a lot to uh, uh, expose me to his fans okay um which I'm really grateful for. But yeah, I met him in Nashville. Um, 
he's been making music for a long time and he writes it's it's different style than me um it's less confessional and um autobiographical but they're country songs that um have a lot of humor in them mm-hmm. um but aren't total jokes by any means um but yeah he's just a really interesting guy who's really um made his own path in the music industry which has been really inspiring he's a self-starter he's got a million ideas every day um and he he's a leather tooling business that i work in nowadays um he just got into real estate he's got like improv acting skills up the wazoo and you have toured with him yeah i've toured i did a tour with him in the southeast um years ago and then i just did a tour with his new band traveler with Corey Chisel and Robert Ellis right. um, last May, and then played with him in L.A. Um, quite a bit, and then he's come up to Montana a number of times now. We've done a couple Montana tours, which has been really fun. Great. Yeah. So you have worked in his leatherworking business. Do you see this as an artistic outlet for you, or is it a way to make some money? Or? It's both, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a really fun um craft it's just you use your hands a lot but there's some design elements um Mm -hmm. it's really contemplative it's a fun thing to do i think he discovered that it's a great way it's a great business that he can in the winter months when music isn't quite as um, happening it's he can make money it's also just like after looking at a blank piece of paper and trying to write a song, it's yes. really satisfying to go to the shop and look at an order and cut a belt and make something. Yes, you don't have to invent it out of whole cloth, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, it's a little more straightforward. And it, it kind of dovetails from a business perspective with music for Johnny, right? So somehow yeah. he's built up an audience of people who appreciate his music and also by his crafts, is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, he's described his music career as... Uh, great publicity for his leather business there you go. but um, they feed into each other and he's got a lot of different ventures that are all kind of part of the same cult of personality yeah <laughs> well that's it's it's always interesting to see how people in this era make a living in the music business mm-hmm. without having a giant uh, stadium audience yeah right or a major label so that's a great example yeah Okay, so you've been at this for a while. How do you think you have changed as a songwriter over time, if you have? Are there things that you've gotten better at, maybe? Or are there things you were trying to get better at? Yeah. Um, I feel like the intent of my songwriting hasn't changed too much. I've gotten more... I'm really inspired by um, by country songwriting as far as the structure. Like, no other genre can make me smile as much when a song kind of comes back to itself mm-hmm. or toys with kind of the central lyric in a song. I think they're kings of wordplay and humor, mm-hmm. but also, like, uber-sentimental, which I have a real soft spot for. Um so it's just been, that's always kind of been my golden standard, and I feel like I've gotten closer with every new song. 
Um, and I don't think I'll, I'll step away from the, the really um, literal narrative format mm-hmm. too much. Yeah, I don't know. It's harder to. It's easy to like have that format and then follow it and have a few lines in there that seem true and mean a lot. I guess it's just I'm trying to get closer to making every line feel uh, really important to mm-hmm. me and also move towards like the larger superstructure of. So, do the song. you find yourself doing a lot of rewriting? Yes, a ton. Always have yeah. done that. Yeah, I've never... I've There have been a few songs that I've just sat down and ripped off and um, they were done. But for the most part, I'll, I'll write... I'll have an idea. I'll write a few verses, forget about them for a long time, come back, realize that there's something there. And if the amount of coffee in my blood is right and I have the time, then I'll... I can get make some more progress on it and mm-hmm. maybe even find a verse from another song that I thought was unrelated and pull it over and edit it a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Uh, how do you know when you're finished? Um, I think there's such like plot driven songs that you, it's pretty obvious when I need to finish the story. Mm-hmm. It's not just, a length thing and then I'm I've no problem writing like a minute minute and a half long song okay so um, like the little one on the last record um, one way or another mm-hmm. that was done because it was just a smaller idea um, and it's about a minute and a half long um, yeah but everything but one thing that needed to the whole story to play out right that's much longer Okay, um, you kind of stole from this question a little bit already, but I, I, I'd like to finish up with with um, kind of a big picture question and ask if there's some guiding principle or overarching goal that you're trying to accomplish or um, something that keeps you on your path, like this, this kind of visionary um, principle or, or holy grail that maybe you're, you're, you're going for, whether it's achievable or not. Yeah. Is there something you have in mind, career-wise or, or songwriting-wise, that you want to ultimately think, I, I, I'm trying to create this? Not really, except for just to keep writing records where I'm not embarrassed by any of it, <laughs> <laughs> where I don't feel like any of it is uh, filler or right. or is just like sinew to connect ideas. I don't think I'm a I don't have many like better ideas than anybody else or I, I certainly don't have um, like a huge amount of musical talent, but I think what I do have is a really um, strong filter for mm-hmm. BS and for things that don't land honestly. I guess I'm really hard on myself. Um, and I can tell kind of right off if something feels authentic or not. And if it is authentic, if it means what I want it to mean to me. Right. And it has the kind of resonance that I think is going to last. Um, so that is kind of, that's it. It's just making sure as much, the highest percentage possible of a song or of a record is has that resonance. 
mm-hmm. and I feel like it's going to last because it's as close to true as possible. That's great. That's a good answer. Um, I think we'll finish up there. Uh, thank you, Isaac, for taking the time to meet with us today. Yeah, thanks for talking to me. I'm really looking forward to later today. You're going to perform a show for us here in the uh, Tell You What Studios. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And my uh, wife and I are big fans of the National Park, so maybe we will cross paths in Glacier someday. I hope you do. Give clear, me a call. Clear a trail for us. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Isaac, thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't do this if it could be hell. I'd rather never see you again. I'm just loving someone, you're the only one that's ever really had my heart in your hand. And no one's really got to me since. No one's really got to me since. No one's really got to me since you got to me. No one's really got to me since. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Isaac. He did indeed put on a wonderful show here at Tell You What Studios. He had the audience laughing, yet also closely tuned in to his well-crafted lyrics and enjoying his skillfully entertaining guitar style. Be sure to check out his album, Mariachi Static, and check out some of his cohort, Johnny Fritz's work, too. Some great music, entertaining videos, and fine leather crafts, all available on the interwaves. Watch this space for more great chats with songwriters. So until next time, remember, music is the best. Baby, I just want to be passionate again No one's really made the haze of my heart Stand up on, stand up on it